Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. And today we're going to continue that series, Take It By Force, The Power of Synergy. There's been a lot of attacks lately in the family of God. And we got to stand strong together. Today, I want to dedicate this message to our dear friend, Checo. We love you. And we're gonna de- I'm going to dedicate this message to him this morning. Amen. Somebody say amen. You know, the story I'm going to talk about, we find it in Mark chapter 2, verses 3 to 12. And we'll go into some of those verses in a minute. But... Um, This story talks about a man who was paralyzed. There's other biblical versions that say he had palsy. And so when this man was paralyzed, uh, he couldn't move. He couldn't go anywhere. He couldn't do anything. Uh, I like the version that says palsy because there's a little nugget in it. How many of you know what palsy is? It's when the body, the mind uh, can't control the rest of the body. And so... The rest of the members do whatever they want. They go their way. There's no control. How many of you know that if we are not connected, if there's no communication between our head, Jesus Christ, and the body, then we're going to do whatever we want, and we're going to end up in palsy. But praise God that we are a healthy spiritual body, amen, and that we have a head, that our communication with him is marvelous, it's, it's powerful. So, uh, so this paralytic... You know, in the times of Jesus, paralytics or men or women with palsy were very common in those times. There was a lot of this because there was no medical advances such as today. Now there's a lot of treatments. There's a lot of physical therapy. There's a lot of knowledge. And so praise God for that medical knowledge. But a lot of these people that knew that there was no medical treatment for it only relied or had to rely strictly on a divine intervention. So that's all they had. They all could, they could do is trust for God to heal them. Now, another thing I want to share here is that everybody who was paralyzed at the time or was going through something or had some kind of illness or disadvantage, in those times, it was believed and understood by the culture that that person had some kind of curse upon them, that God had cursed them into that sickness. And so people would shun them. People would just, you know, kind of step away from them and kind of say, well, you're cursed. We're not going to be there for you. We're not going to help you because God did this to you because that was the belief. That belief was that this person was in sin or this person did something wrong against God, and that's why God gave them this sickness. But how many of you know that that's not true today, that we know that by his stripes, we are totally healed. Amen. How many of you agree with that? Amen. Somebody say with me this morning, I am healed. Amen. I am healed. So this passage tells us about a, this paralyzed man or this man with palsy. Uh, and it's a story that deals with three principles that I want to share uh, with you today about friends who help other friends, people who help other people when they're going through situations. That means that we are friends, we are family. And sometimes, you know, Pastor talked that last week about taking it by force. And maybe our faith is up here and maybe we have already taken it by force. But sometimes there's people around us who are paralyzed that can't take it by force. 
Maybe they're paralyzed in their mindset. Maybe they're paralyzed in their body, even physically. Maybe they're paralyzed in their emotions. Uh, Some people are even paralyzed by their culture. I remember reading not long ago about our border towns all the way from, uh, uh, from the Rio through here, all the way through Laredo, and especially in the Rio Grande Valley, stating that this is the poorest country, or this is the poorest area in our country, that the mindset is here one of a poor mentality. You know, uh, a ver cuánto me das de descuentos. Let's see how, many, how much discount we have because we can't make it. And so the mindset is one of a poor mentality. But I want to change that mindset. I want God to bring a group of people around me all the time to change that mindset because we are not poor. The Bible says that God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. Come on, how many of you believe that? Amen. But the Bible also tells me something very powerful. We are the glory of God. And if he supplies all of our needs according to his riches in glory, come on, say, I'm the glory, then where are God's riches stored? In us. Come on, we are the glory of God. We are the suppliers of the kingdom. Praise God. Amen. So that is why God in this story wants to give us a picture, a message of people coming together in synergy. And so you might ask yourself, what is this word? Synergy. Well, thank you for asking. Let me tell you. <laughs> so synergy is their interaction or cooperation of two or more organizations coming together or substances or agents such as people coming together to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their separate effects. Let me explain that. How many of you know that the word of God says that one casts out a thousand, but two cast out ten thousand? Amen. That means that I have gifts, I have faith, I have power. But when we come together with our individual gifts and power and anointings, then we create spiritual synergy. You see it in the worship band. Everybody plays a different instrument. Everybody has a different pitch in their voice, a different tone. But together they form a harmony, a synergy. And guess what? I was just telling my wife, what a powerful, I mean, what a powerful moment when we have this people that have been anointed with great voices and great talents that you feel the presence of God. How many of you felt the presence of God this morning as we were in worship? Why? Because they're synergy. Come on. They came together and their output was greater than if it was just one person with a guitar. Amen. And so we thank God. And, 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 and don't get me wrong. Sometimes it just takes one person, a guitar, but somebody else in front that is worshiping together. Amen. When we go to the jail, sometimes it's just Caleb and we visit these ladies. And man, these ladies receive the power of God. And there's Caleb just worshiping. And I just love it. And we're worshiping in the back. And suddenly now the guards are also singing the songs and they're getting into it. And man, we're causing a revolution because of the power of God coming together through people. Amen. How many of you are ready to come together in synergy and help somebody out? Amen. So the word of God tells us here in Mark chapter 2, verses 3 to 12, it tells us a story that then they came bringing a paralytic to him, to Jesus, who had been picked up and was being carried by four men. He had been what? 
picked up. That means that they were a determined group of friends that said, we're not going to leave our friend behind. Amen. They had heard this extraordinary stories of this man named Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that wherever he was at, miracles would happen. Amen. How many of you know that where the presence of God is, there is also power. Amen. And so when Jesus shows up in your house, the presence of God shows up in your house. But there's a little problem sometimes that happens with that. Because wherever something good is happening at, guess what? The people show up to the place. How many of you remember? I remember when I was growing up and I was little. How many of you remember the cheese line? Amen. Or when we were getting products. Come on, you remember. You remember. Don't act so old. You know, I remember I used to stand with my mom and wait in the cheese line and we get all this stuff and peanut butter and all that. Man, I was so excited. I was already tearing up at the cheese and taking bites and my mom would get all mad. But I remember that there was a line of people because wherever you get free stuff, guess what? People come. And because the gospel is free, come on, and because the glory of God is happening, people are going to show up. So Jesus was at this house, and he sat there and started preaching the word and the gospel, and suddenly a crowd showed up. And there was this big multitude around the house, and so this friends heard that Jesus was in this house, and they told, they told each other, you know what? We're going to go find our friend, and we're going to go pick him up, and we're going to be determined to get to that place. And so when they did, they took him up, and they took a burden on themselves to carry this friend of theirs up to that house. Now, think about the time of Jesus for a moment. Think about that time. At that time, there was no air condition. There was no cars, no cruise control, no let's turn on, you know, life support. Like right now, it's super hot. Amen. These men, there was none of that. You know, there was not, echalo al carro, put them in the car and turn on the, there was none, there was no ambulance, there was none of that. It was just, you put them on a bed and you carry the person. Now, it was also dusty. Anybody ever been in a dusty road at 120 degrees? And you have this sweat coming and the dust is blowing. How many of you, I've done missionary trips, how many of you ever been in that situation? It's not fun. But these men were determined to change their friend's life. How many of you are determined to change somebody's life around you? Amen. And so I remember that I'm reading there and I'm just picturing them. Okay, hey, allá están curando, súbete. <laughs> this man over there is healing people. Come on, let's get you on this bed. And imagine they're the dust and they're carrying him. And this man is, and, but eventually they got to that house. They took on the burden of carrying their friend to a place where he could be restored. They wanted to take it by force. Come on, how many of you want to help somebody take it by force? It was, you know what, our friend can't get there on his own, but we have been there. We've done that. We've been healed. We've already been where Jesus has been out. Now let's help him out. Now let's gather four of us and take them by force. So they had a burden by carrying their paralytic friend across the dusty roads of that area, sweating hot until they found the entrance, until they found the house. And they get there, and the very first thing it says, and when they got to the house and they could not get in or get him in the place in front of Jesus because of the multitude, because of the throng, they decided to think, what can we do? What can we do? When they found that the entrance was blocked, they didn't stop there. They didn't say, pues, a, a ver cómo le haces. 
we're going to drop you off here. Let's see how you do it. No, <laughs> I think, I, bye, I'm leaving. You know, most of the time we've done that to people. We help them get to the place, but we abandon them there. But we'll let a pastor's message change them. We'll leave you at the front of the door. We'll just invite you to church. You know, let's see what happens. But that's not what these friends did. That's not the power of synergy. That's not the power of taking it by force. Remember, there's some people that don't know how to take it by force. They need you to walk with them, to coach them, to disciple them, to hold their hand. Come on, to carry them. And not only that, don't leave them in the front of the door with a crowd. They said, we got to get him in front of Jesus or else he's not going to get healed because none of these people are going to get him in there. And so they said, they started thinking. And they said, we need to plan this. What do we do? How do we strategize? Isn't it awesome that the Lord has given a great vision to our pastor in Access Church where he has strategized, he has planned. God has prophesied more campuses. God has planned great things for this church, amen. And they're saying, you know what? We're not gonna stop here. We're not gonna stop at the door. We're gonna take you to another level, amen. We're gonna get our praise and worship teams to go to a deeper level to get us into greater worship, amen. We're gonna get our prayer groups to get more into it, fast and pray to get you to another level. We're gonna strategize. We're gonna find a way to get a place, come on, here in Eagle Pass where we're gonna do worship, come on, under the stars, and we're gonna take on a venue that's never been used before, come on. I prophesy that that place will be so anointed that even when others try to use it, they're gonna be transformed and saved by the power of God. Why? Because we're not going to leave people just there. We're going to take them to the next level. And so they said, well, what are we going to do? And they stopped and they thought and they looked at each other and they're thinking. And one of them was looking up and he goes, hmm. And he looked at the rooftop and he said, what if we get him up through the roof and make a hole and lower him in front of Jesus? Dude, already carried him. No, he's never walked before. He doesn't exercise. All he eats is tacos. You know, you know, somebody like that, you know, that maybe they're paralyzed just because of how much they, no, I'm just kidding. How much they eat. Come on, Lord, heal our bodies. Come on. And so, so it's like, you know, how are we going to get them? But they said, you know what? It doesn't matter if we've, if we had the power and the faith to bring him all the way here. We got to find a way to get him in there. And so they look at the roof and said, we're going to climb up and we're going to get them in there. Now imagine the weight of this man. I don't know what they did. I don't know if they put a ladder. I don't know if they got a rope. I don't know what they did, but they got him up through the roof. Come on. It doesn't matter. I don't care what you have to do, but we got to get people to the next level. I don't care what it takes. I don't care how heavy the situation might be. I don't care how it looks. I don't care. You have to get people to another level because when you get them there, then breakthrough happens because the Bible says that then they made a hole through the roof so they could lower the man down to Jesus. Oh, come on. How many of you believe in breakthrough? Come on. Breakthrough only happens when you get to the next level. And if you've been to the next level, then breakthrough will happen for those who are paralyzed in their emotions, 
physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Breakthrough will only happen when you take them to that level because once they're in that level, they'll know that they can break through any time because only from a place of above will you break through in Jesus' mighty name. And so they broke through and they found that they had two options. And they said, we can either go back like we said earlier or we can put them up there. And they put them up there and they took them up there. And one of the things that helped them get to that place was their extraordinary faith. Come on, somebody say extraordinary faith. It wasn't the regular faith. It wasn't like the faith that you had just coming in and sitting on the chair. How many of you checked your chair to see if it was going to hold you? We don't do that. We just come in and sit and we trust that the chair is going to hold us. Yes or no? It might crack a little. It might do little noises, but it's going to hold us in Jesus' name. Amen. So you don't look under and you don't go, but let me see if the screws are, are you know, right or if, it's, if it has a, a loose screw. No, you just sit there by faith. And it's so uh, strange to me. Sometimes I, I ask myself, I say, how come we have that type of faith for a chair, but we can't trust the Lord to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory? How can we have more faith on a chair than, we're, than us who are seated in a greater chair, seated in heavenly places together with Jesus to trust him to do extraordinary things for us? You can't have more faith on a chair than on the Lord. And so they had extraordinary faith. The type of faith it took to get you up this morning and get me up this morning because some dummy decided to take an, an hour away from us last night and spring forward. Amen. But praise God, God heard my prayers and starting next year, we're not going to have to mess around with that anymore. Somebody praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. But anyway, so it had to take extraordinary faith to get us up this morning. Come on. Because last night we lost an hour. But their faith in God moved them to say, I'm going to take my friend and we're going to break barriers. We're going to break through for him. We're going to take him. And so faith develops perseverance. Come on, somebody say faith develops perseverance. Because of their faith, they walked, they saw the blocked doors, and they planned to get him to another level because they had perseverance. Let's look at, at James 1.3, and the Word of God says uh, uh, in James 1.3, and the Word, where, when we look at this Word, <clears throat> I just want you to understand something. It's very important that the verse before James 1.2 talks about what? Peace. Come on, say peace. Come on. The Word, of, the word talks about having what? Faith. But three says, be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith, come on, count it all joy in the verse before. In other words, joy brings what? Peace. It, it settles you down. Count it all joy when you're going through trials and tribulations. Why? Verse three, because you'll be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out, brings out what? Endurance and steadfastness and patience in your life. This man had to be what? Patient to get their friend up there. It's just like it takes patience. We've become very microwavable. How many of you believe, you know, just every, we want everything like that. Everything is microwavable nowadays. We want everything done fast. You know, we want to turn our car and we want that air condition to cool us real fast. 
You know, we want our car to get, get us there. Oh, I want a faster car so it can get us there faster. We want to do everything faster. But how many of you know that there's a big difference between buying a pie, a frozen pie, and sticking it in the oven than making your own pie and sticking it in the oven and just waiting for that? Come on. My wife just started getting into baking breads and stuff. And I said, you know, I want one of those real sourdough breads. Amen. I've lost a couple of pounds so I can, you know, enjoy a little bread. And she says, okay, yeah, I'll make it. She looks at the recipe and it takes 15 days to make sourdough bread. I said, no, 15 hours. She said, no, 15 days. You have to let it rest and you have to let the, the dough rise for 15 days. Look it up. Google it. That's what she told me. So if, so if it's wrong, talk to Pastor Susan. Amen. That's what she told me. 15 days, right? She told me 15 days. So anyways, but I said, 15 days? That means I don't get to eat sourdough bread for 15 days. You got to be patient. But she finally made some bread. Man, that bread was so good. It took 15 days and it was gone in five minutes. Todo. This is my body. I, I had communion like 20 times in the same day, so I wouldn't feel that bad. You know, you know, I got some grape juice, and I said, let me drink grape juice in the bread so I don't feel I'm doing wrong, you know, because if, if it sounds like communion, then it's okay, right? You get forgiven. Come on, say, they had extraordinary perseverance. So the Bible says that when Jesus saw that they were lowering their, fa their friend, he saw their faith. He doesn't say he saw the man's faith. He saw whose faith? The friend's faith. Sometimes somebody might not have the faith you have. When we come together in faith and we love each other as a family in Christ, it's going to take our faiths, different faiths, come on, to get and bring somebody to the level of faith we're at in Jesus' mighty name. And so Jesus said, look at their faith. Now, one thing that I noticed here that I want you to understand is that these four men did not have a name. He didn't name them. They weren't named in the Bible. Sometimes we want a recognition. Well, it was because of me that you came to the Lord. This man didn't have, there was no name there. All they did is they did it because they had a love for their, how many of you love your friends? Come on, how many of you love your family? How many of you love your children? <laughs> How many of you love your siblings, your parents, even that might not serve the Lord? You got to have that extraordinary love for them to lead them to a place where they can have an encounter with Jesus Christ. So we got to maintain this persistence. We got to keep on going. If your faith is true, you will never give up. If you have true faith, you will always trust the Lord. Why? Because faith pleases God. Come on, somebody say with me. Faith pleases God. How many of you want to please the Lord? Then you must walk in faith. You must continually walk in faith because it pleases him. It doesn't say your crying pleases the Lord, although you got to cry unto him sometimes. It doesn't say uh, uh, all these days of fasting and prayer is going to please the Lord, although that's good because it builds you. It says faith pleases God. Woo! That's why Hebrews says that the author and finisher of our faith in Hebrews 12 is who? 
Jesus Christ. Because when he got into the Jordan River and the heavens opened up, what did God say? This is my beloved son in who I am well, what? Please, why? Because he was the author of faith. When you walk into that faith, the heavens will open before you and all of God's glory will come upon you because you are walking faith on this earth. Faith pleases God. Amen? Faith pleases God. And I'm not only talking about my goddaughter faith. I'm also talking about you. Amen? Faith pleases God. If you don't know faith, then get to know faith. Amen? In James chapter 2 and verse 17, the word of God tells us that faith without works is dead. You can have all the faith you want to transform your children. Amen. And let me give you a piece of advice. Stop telling them Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to change you. Read the word. Read the Bible. Because guess what? They're not going to do that. And, and my wife and I discovered something. I hope my children don't get to see this video. But we discovered something. Instead of my wife saying the Bible says, we started sharing the Bible without saying the Bible says. And suddenly our, our oldest two were going, wow, where do you get this stuff, mom? Finally, the secret is out. I get it from the word. I just didn't say it came from the Bible. But trust God and say, you know what? Faith without actions is what? Dead. Take action with your children. Tell them things from the word without mentioning that it's from the word. They'll get it at some point. And finally, when they come to the Lord and finally when they're restored, your friends, your family, your children, guess what's going to happen? They're going to realize that the whole time you were talking about the word of God. And then they're going to honor the Lord and praise the Lord with you. Amen. And so some, uh, some people or someone once said about this, that when you have faith, uh, that this saying came from a moment of faith where winners never quit and quitters never win. You can't quit. There's always somebody looking at you. There's somebody always relying on you that if you quit, they might quit. You know, people are always looking at us. People are always looking at our, at our lives, at our testimony. Hey, we're not perfect. Come on. Sometimes we make mistakes, yes or no. You know, and like pastors said, I mean, if we've ever done something as pastors to offend you or hurt you, please forgive us. We're also humans like you. Amen. We're not as perfect as you are yet, but we're getting there at some point. Amen. Praise God. But please forgive us. Sometimes we drop the ball. Sometimes we're humans, but guess what? We're striving to get better each and every day together with the family of God so we can go to the next level, so we can take people to another place. But once, this is what's powerful about this story, that once they had lowered this man down in front of Jesus and Jesus saw their extraordinary faith, Jesus didn't heal the man immediately. The first thing he did is he said, your sins are forgiven. He didn't say you're healed. He didn't say their faith brought him here so he can be healed. First, he forgave their sins. He forgave the man's sins. Come on. They took him to this place where he could be forgiven. How many of you know people out there that need forgiveness? That, that, ha that, are, that are struggling with their life because they feel that God has not forgiven them. They feel that people have not forgiven them or even society has not forgiven them because society is so brutal today, especially with social media. 
And they'll stone you to death and they'll bash you. And people will think, well, nobody ever loves me. Nobody ever cares for me. Nobody cares anymore. Nobody will forgive the things that I did. But I have something to tell you. I have the gospel of the kingdom to preach today. And that's the good news of the kingdom that says that by his stripes, you have been healed. But not only healed physically, but you've been healed spiritually. Come on. That Jesus sent his unique, his only begotten son. Come on. The original word says unique. You know why? Because nobody had ever walked this earth as Jesus. God and man. He was the unique son, the only son like that, that he gave him to us so that we could be exactly like Jesus now. Woo. How many of you want to be like Jesus? Only three. And I'm glad only three answered because I don't want to be like Jesus. I am already like Jesus. How many of you are already like Jesus? Because the Bible says the way he was here on earth, so am I. Praise the Lord. So they put him in front of Jesus, and Jesus addressed the forgiveness of the sin before he healed him. All because four friends joined together to get him there. Spiritual synergy, people coming together and surrounding a friend will always lead a friend to forgiveness. How many of you ever get together at a cafe? Get together with intention. Get together to lead people to Christ so that their sins will be forgiven. Because the next thing that comes after that is a total input of the glory of God inside of them. That then they will trust God for their healing. I'm going to tell you this. Sin is not always the source of sickness. Because, you know, we have the common colds and we have allergies and we have all this stuff. So sin is not always leading people to sickness. But I will tell you something. However, forgiveness does escort in a healing process in somebody's life. Amen. When you decide to forgive people and people forgive you, it just does something in you. How many of you have ever forgiven somebody for what they did to you? And it's like a burden lifted off our shoulders. Woof. Man, how powerful. You need to let go of those things that hurt you and offended you in the past so you can move forward and be healed. You know why? Because if God forgave you, then you can forgive others. Amen? So sin is not the source of every sickness, but it is important that people come into forgiveness because it'll start the process of a different kind of healing. Sometimes people don't necessarily need healing in the body. Sometimes they might need it in their mind or in their soul, in their emotions. Some people are very emotional and always stressed out. Why? Because they're always thinking that somebody's out to get them. But when you come to the Lord and the Spirit of God is there, the Word of God says where the Spirit of the Lord is at, there is Freedom. Come on, say it with me. Where the Spirit of the Lord is at, there is what? Freedom. So if you lead somebody to Jesus and their life changes and they get filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what you're filling them with? Freedom. Amen. And you're sending them free in Jesus' mighty name. Remember, it's not always about, I cast you out. Take me. No, don't say that. Don't. don't. But that's from the exorcist. That's from the exorcist. Don't, don't, don't say that. <laughs> I remember I was trying to scare my wife one day, and I said, I'm going to put the exorcist so she sees it. And she started laughing. Oh, they look like monos. <laughs> you know. But when I was eight years old, it didn't look like monos. Amen. 
So don't tell anybody to take me. Just say, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Amen. Cast that demon out. Sometimes some demons don't need to be cast out by rebuking them. Sometimes demons will come out by forgiveness and by transformation and salvation, and the people will be set free in Jesus' name. Come on. How many of you believe that with me? Come on. Jesus forgives all our sin. Come on. Jesus has forgiven you. The only one that will remind you of your past and your sin is the devil. And those being used by the devil. So if you're reminding somebody of their past and their sin, I'm just warning you, who might be using you? Amen? So religions will come, customs will come, but they will never give you the forgiveness that Jesus will give you. Amen? Somebody say praise the Lord for that. And like we said earlier, God is love, and his love casts out all fear. So you can come to him and he will receive you. Now, let me tell you a third thing that happened with these friends. Not only did they break through, not only did they lead this friend of theirs in front of Jesus, not only did they get him to the place where they could, uh, meet, he could meet Jesus and be forgiven of his sins, not only did they go on the top and did everything they did, but they also, something else happened. It provoked the man that once he was in front of Jesus, he became obedient. He obeyed Jesus. In Mark, right there, we see in, in verses 11 and 12, it says that when the man was in front of Jesus and after Jesus forgives his sins, remember, this man thought he was cursed. How many of you have ever walked with that insecurity in your life about yourselves? That, I mean, why do things keep happening to me over and over? Am I cursed? The Bible says that Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, that all curse has been taken away from you. There's no curse in my life. I'm blessed. I'm not cursed. I'm a blessed individual because I have Christ in me. I have the anointing of Christ. He removed every curse that was destined for my life because of sin. Why? Because I've been forgiven of my sin. So imagine... This paralyzed man hearing all his life that he's cursed, and suddenly he hears somebody tells him, your sins are forgiven. Guess what happened to him? It woke him up. It woke him up. And he says, oh, I don't have sin anymore. I'm not cursed. I'm free. And so right at that moment, when freedom comes into a person's life, then this happens. We become obedient children. At that moment, this paralyzed man looks at Jesus, and after hearing his sins had been forgiven, Jesus says, I tell you, I say to you, arise. Come on, somebody say arise. That means get up. And that word arise there comes from a Greek word that means agados. That means wake up. I once preached a message right here that means wake up. It was more like, hey, wake up from your slumber. Get up and walk. And he says, arise. Take your mat. I, you know, for a moment there when I was reading there, I thought he was talking to a, a, a Bibi, but it wasn't. Whereas, you know, take your mat. But it was, I, there was only one T in there. Amen. Take up your mat. Amen. But it was one T. Take up your mat. Take up your bed. Come on, say, take up your mat. Take up your bed. And what? And go home. Oof. What was once holding him down now became his testimony, his praise report. This man was taken in through the back door, through the roof. Nobody thought about him at that moment. 
Sometimes you're going to bring somebody to this place. Nobody sees what they're going through because we can't tell what you're going through. We can't tell when the people come here what they're going through. But the Bible says that he got up and he started taking his bed up and rolled it up and started walking out the door proud. And he says, and he arose at once and picked up the slipping pad or mat and went out before all of them. Imagine that man being on that mat for years. Imagine people being on their mat for years, being held down by tragedy, by problems, by situations, and finally somebody sets them free. How many of you have ever been set free that much that you walk out the door and you go, man, I've been set free in this place. Praise the Lord. I feel different. Come on, I got a praise report. I walked in here sick and I left healed. I I walked in here with my marriage broken and it got restored. I walked in here with problems and I left with a solution in Jesus' mighty name. Come on. That is the vision of Access Church, that we can take people to a place where they will have an encounter with Jesus. Their sins will be forgiven. They will be totally restored and they can walk out that front door proudly holding a testimony in their hand. How many of you believe that with us this morning or this afternoon already? Come on. He says, take up your bed. So true faith demands obedience. You know, it was hard for Jesus to be in that garden of Gethsemane when he said, Father, if it's all possible, I don't want to go to that cross. It's going to hurt. But he was talking out of his humanity. But you know what? It's not my will. If you tell me to go, I'll go. If you tell me to go there, I'll go there. And so as we're going to start finishing this message, I want you to start listening to this. I want you to start listening to this part of this man being obedient. This statement must, maybe it sounded too extreme to the people there. Stand up and walk. They've never heard that. Who does that? Who's this man? That forgives his sin. They even criticize Jesus. Who are you to forgive his sins? And he goes, what's better for me to forgive his sins or heal the man? I'd rather forgive his sins first and then let healing come after that. Come on. And so suddenly it sounded too out there. And sometimes your miracle is going to sound too out there. But you got a testimony under you that some people might not understand. But now you have proof in your hands that God has delivered you. Praise the Lord. All the man did was just obey. Oh, he did. He obeyed. His friends did their part. How many of you commit with me today to do your part for your friends and your neighbors and your family? His friends did their part. They carried him. They broke through. They put him in a place. The man did, you know... The man that sat there waited and Jesus did his part. God has already done his part. He sent Jesus Christ to die for you, to heal you of your infirmities. He's already sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, to remind you of all these stories, to remind you of all the testimonies in your life, to remind you of every word that has been spoken over you. God already did his part. Now my question is, 
Are you going to do your part? Are you going to let the body of Christ help you get to the next level? Those that are watching online, are you going to let friends take you to a place of breakthrough? Please stand up with me this afternoon. I want you to close your eyes. Just meditate. What has been holding me back? What has kept me paralyzed in life? This is the time that I need you to take a step forward in your mind. I want every head bow, every eye closed. We have done our part as a church to get you to this place. A church that has spiritual synergy prophetically, spiritually. We've brought you to this place. Now we want to be friends. We want to be family. We want to take you to the next level. You've heard the word. You've heard the message. It's time for you to take a step of obedience. And if that's you tonight, to this afternoon, if that's you today, I want you to raise your hand there where you're at. We want to help you get to that example. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you back there. Thank you. We want to walk with you. We want to cry with you. We want to mourn with you. No, we even want to hurt with you because that's what Jesus did on the cross when he said, also take up your cross and follow me. He says, you, you got to go through, through what I want. You got to feel what I felt when the sin of the world came upon me so that forgiveness could happen. And so today, those of you that have raised your hand, we embrace you together as a church. We unite our spiritual synergy, our faith. We unite our endurance, our patience. We come together and we take you to the next level in Jesus' mighty name. We bless your life. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not below. Everywhere you go, you will be a blessing and will be blessed. You are highly favored by God. You are healed, spirit, soul, and body now. You are transformed. You are renewed. You are restored. You have the mind of Christ. You speak like God. You see like God. You move like God. You touch like God because He is your Father and you're His child now. And now all we say is take up your bed. Take up that which held you down. Come on and go home and be a testimony to the rest of the world. Give the Lord a hand this morning. We love you. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.